So we're jumping back in a series that we've been doing here this fall called Living in the Light. And I really appreciate it. If you were here last weekend, I'm really glad you're able to hear my friend Brian Steele speak. Wasn't that a powerful message? of just a blessing, a grace, a uh, message of grace for us. And, and so it was kind of a, a little bit of a change up for us. And uh, Brian was kind of the backup of the backup. And, uh, but he wasn't a third stringer. It was a powerful, powerful message. Now we're, we're jumping back in uh, to the series that we're going to look at this morning of living in light. And I was just reflecting on the, the living in light and all that God does. And just thinking about the, the light, just how light does really bless our lives. I, I was just thinking, as my wife and I, we, we had a little getaway, and, and of course, last weekend, that it was so beautiful, wasn't it? It was one of the most beautiful fall weekends, with the leaves, uh, the, the, the sunlight shining on the leaves. It just, it was amazing, and we took this scenic drive up to Squamish Falls, and, and, and just seeing the, the leaves light up, it was really amazing. And I love light, how just the beauty of God when we see that happen. And the other day I was around Padden. I took this picture here and it, it, it doesn't do justice because I'm not that great of a, a, a photographer, but the reflection, some of you have posted pictures this last week of sunsets and sunrises and it's just the hues of, and the colors that God gives us of, of light. I love light because it, light gives us, a, gives us direction. And when we're, we're needing to go a certain way, and in the light of God's word, we'll do the same thing. It shows us and guides us along. I, I love that even today as we declared in prayer and warfare prayer, uh, helping, supporting the, the, the Christians around the world. That that's, we're pushing back the darkness with the light of, of, of Jesus that way. Light, light gives life to us, doesn't it? When we're lacking hope, the light of Jesus shines and, and brightens our life. It brings warmth and comfort to our lives. But one of the things I was reflecting this week is that how light actually reveals. And it, it which is, it reveals who, who we are, but you know what? It reveals who God is. I, I found this definition of, of light is the, 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 the natural agent that makes things visible and a source of illumination, brightness, and radiance. And I, as, as God reveals through his light, it, he reveals in our lives, and sometimes it, it opens us up and it kind of exposes us a little bit. And light can be kind of intense, can it? It can focus in almost like a, like a, a, a spotlight or a magnifying light on our lives. And when we get in conversations with one another in our lives, it can really, it can show some of our weaknesses. It can show some of our, our frailties and our struggles, but also it displays God and what he's done and, and got us through things in life. When Christy and I were gone on our drive, we spent time reflecting 27 years of marriage, really 30 years together, three decades. Children now, they're young adults, and we, we had this time together, and we just allowed the light of God God and his truth to, to reveal our lives, and, and we were thankful, and we were also challenged by the things that we're going through in the, the present season. And, and I think this, when we look at light as it reveals in our life, it can be kind of scary, and it, we kind of feel exposed in, in who we are and our, who our, char- our, our very character, but it also, the light also reveals who, who God is. And what I've discovered, I don't know about you, but I found that God is really bigger and broader and, and has this perspective that's much greater than, than I have. 
Like I said, I came in today kind of whining and complaining, and, 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 then, and then God just like, what are you doing? And he just broadened, like, what? The life does not revolve around you. It, it, it revolves around me in this, this broader perspective. And it's really, as I was thinking about this, living in light, it's really this idea of living in light of eternity. Living in light of eternity. I want to talk about that here today. Living in light of eternity. Uh, Pastor and author Rick Warren wrote a book several years ago, which is called, What on Earth Am I Here For? And it's a great title because we ask that all the time. He says this, he says that life is not all there is. This life here is not all there is. Life on earth is just the dress rehearsal before the real production. You will spend far more time on the other side of death in eternity than you will here. Earth is just a staging area. The preschool, the tryout for your life in eternity. It's the practice workout before the actual game. The warm-up lap before the race begins. This life is preparation for the next. See, God has hardwired us to, to live beyond this earthly life. We, we know this. Ecclesiastes says this. It says, he, God, has, has planted eternity in our, in our hearts. You know, when we, when we stop, brain stops and our heart stops, that doesn't mean we, there's an end of us. My, my aunt passed away just a couple days ago. She's 90 years old, Aunt Annadelle. And, and she's with Jesus. Her, her life, her, her body just kind of wore out. And there'll be a time when we, it will end for us, but it's not the end. It's actually just the warm-up to what's going to happen ahead. Jesus reveals his light through our hearts and gives us perspective, this eternal perspective he really, really wants us to have. And we've been going through the book of John. I hope that that's been helpful for you as we've been reading through. This week, we're going to be reading through John chapter 11 and 12 as we go through this living light study together. And you're going to come across a really well-known story. Probably one of them, I have a lot of favorite stories. But John chapter 11 is the story and the amazing encounter that Jesus has with his good friend, Lazarus. And I want to look at that story this morning, but look at it with an eternal perspective, a broader perspective, how God reveals himself in such an amazing way. In chapter 11, we can, we can follow along here, and you can turn to it. Verse 3, it says this, some sisters of Lazarus came to Jesus, and they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. Verse 6, it says, Yet when he heard, Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Here Jesus hears of his friend, good friend, knows him personally, that he's sick. And what does Jesus do? He stays. Could have touched his friend, could have went over there. In fact, he touched a lot of people, healed a lot of people, random people, people that, that, that maybe he didn't necessarily know their names. I, maybe he did. I don't know how it worked, but in his, his, his God powers that he had, being, being God the Son, but, but he didn't have close relationship with everybody. But here, this one you love is sick. Well, as we read, you read in there, you find that that Lazarus dies. It stays two, two more days. 
Two miles away from Jerusalem to Bethany. It's a short walk. Could have went over there. Could have went over there and did his God thing and went back and continued on what he was doing. But he doesn't do that. What gives? And then we can be honest at times. We find ourselves that we're asking the same thing, aren't we? God, where are you here? What, why can't you do what you do? And, and again, I'm, I'm grateful for my salvation. I'm grateful that one day I will be with my aunt, my mom, and my dad, and everybody else in heaven. There's going to be a reunion. It's there. I'm, we're we're going to get there. But what about now? What about the suffering? What about the pain? What about the difficulty? Just the plain suckiness that we go through. And, and we're really kind of going, Jesus, really, you, you could just... Go over and just fix this guy. Fix my situation. Fix this circumstance. And, and, and there's times that God, well, say many times, God doesn't do it that way. We've all been there. Maybe, maybe you're there now. St. John of the Cross coined this, these moments in our life as the dark night of the soul. It's what today we call depression for, for so many. It's this dark abyss that we, we can... People find themselves in, in, in loss. And again, another loss in my family, but some of you have had some close loss, like a spouse or a child or either death or divorce or something's happened. And, 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 and here, this, this, these sisters, they're, they're and really a good friend of Jesus. He, he sick and he dies. What's next? What, what, why, Lord? Why can't you do what you you, you can do, but you, you don't. And, and sometimes what we do is we end up kind of being in denial that, you know, this happened. And, and, and then there's sometimes we just, because we, we don't want to deal with it, but then there's this, we don't know how to handle it. We don't know how to deal with this, this delay at times. You got to ask this question, which we find out a good, a good thing that happens. But why is there a delay? Why does Jesus seem to wait? Well, verse 4 kind of a, is a foreshadowing of what is to come. Jesus said to them, hey, the, of, their, of their friend and this brother, it, it is for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And we, we read that and we're like, okay, okay, Lord, you're gonna, you're, sounds like you're gonna do something here, but are you, you hold back in what you're doing. And yet, I think we can wrestle with, okay, God, it's for your glory and what you're going to do but what we end up finding out is, is that there's horrible things that happen and tragic things that take place, difficult things, that, things that should never have happened, evilness that happens. And yet at the end, God, you're going to be glorified through it. See, I don't, I don't know how to deal with it on my own. I don't know how you deal with it on your own. I, I can't. I have to go, God, I I need to understand a little bit more. I, I need a perspective. I need, a, I need to really want to live in light of, of not just my circumstances, but a broader perspective, allowing your light to reveal who, not only who I am, there's some issues, but who you really are. And this, is, this encounter, I think, is, is going to be really helpful for us that we're going to look at here. We look at the life, well, and the, and the death of, of Lazarus. And if, if you're here this morning, you can take some notes. This idea of living in the light of eternity, we're going to talk about here. Because I think it's going to be important for us, if you're going through pain, and if they're going through difficulty, or you will, how do you have this broader perspective? The first is this, is know this, that God's response doesn't always mean no. Sometimes it just means not yet. 
It's not always no. It's not yet. Yeah, and maybe your mom and dad did this to you when you wanted something or your kids want something. Mommy, mommy, daddy, please, 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 please. Can I have it? 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 You know, and they just, no. You know, and they're like, no. Well, not for now, but maybe later. Okay, not having ice cream before dinner. Maybe later. Okay, we'll see how it goes. And, and we kind of delay that. Why do we do that? I think it's because our parents were really, really mean, weren't they? And we were really mean. We were just like, we, in fact, our kids would tell us that. The reason you are doing, saying that because you are mean and you don't love me. Right? And they're like, you're right. That's it. No. No. <laughs> don't like you now. I love you, but I don't like you now. But all I have to say is, is that there's a delay. Why? Because you're, you actually are smarter. You're wiser than your kids. That ice cream before dinner isn't good when you're going to work. God does the same thing for us. There's a delay. It doesn't mean no. It's, many times it's, it's not yet. And how excruciating though for these dear sisters of Lazarus, they, 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 they got, there was a delay. Well, when, when Jesus finally comes to him, you go farther into the chapter, verse 32, it says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you would have been there, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus wakes and he delays and his buddy dies and waits more and then he's on his way and then she sees him coming and she says these words to him. If you would have been there, that's, a, that's an honest thing to say. It's pretty bold of her to say that. But we have done that, right? Lord, if you would have been there, my parents wouldn't have divorced. Lord, if you would have been there, we wouldn't have, if the, the accident wouldn't happen. You would have been there, my, my friend or my loved one would not have died of COVID. Lord, if you would have been there, we've all done that. That's an honest response at times. We, we just go, God, if... You know, there's a delay here, and, and, and you know, did you get held up in traffic? Is there, you know, the, the app crashed in heaven? Like, why are you not responding there? And, and a good question is to ask yourself, or even right now, what are you waiting for? You might be in, in a waiting period right now. You're waiting for God to come through. You're waiting for him to, to solve an issue and a problem. We, we all have a waiting list, don't we? We all have things that are there. And I, I have just continued to be really bad at waiting, it's getting worse and worse, is it not? I know all of us, I mean, I'm literally like now, I'm just looking on a screen going, how am I just going to shop at all this season? How am I going to do that? And I love, I love the online. I, I click, click, click on the grocery list, and then, then I show up, and, and you know, I have to get out because I open up my trunk, and then they come, the window, and knock, and then then they, I give them my name, and then they throw the stuff in the back, and then, and then, then you want it closed? Yep, close. I don't have to get out. I mean, it's it's just a beautiful thing. It happens. But then what happens is then, then there's like a couple items I I didn't get on the list, and I have to go in the, I had to go in the store. Have you been in there lately? Have you been in a store? It's just it's not it's not the same as just getting it delivered to the car, and I have to go and I have to wander through it. I love people, but I don't like the public. I mean, they're just, it's, you know what I mean? Are you with me on that? And, and, you know, and then there's a line, and then there's like, you know, and then I thought I'd do my own self-check, and like, no, that was dumb, because then I got to punch in all the numbers for the produce. It's like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Somebody should be, I'm taking someone's job. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And so all this to say, I'm terrible at waiting. It's getting worse and worse. And yet this whole 
importance of waiting. And what I've discovered is that not that I'm waiting on God, but actually it's the opposite. Peter tells me this, tells us this in the first century church. And if there was anybody persecuted, they were being persecuted. He writes this, he says, but do not forget that one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone come to repentance. He is patient with you, you and I, waiting on us. And that, that phrase, you know, here, here, here are these, these people are waiting on Jesus to come and solve this issue, heal their brother, do this work, and, and he's waiting. Why the wait? Why does Jesus cause us to wait? Could have been a short little trip. Bethany, Jerusalem, not that far away. Well, I think we, we've come to conclusion, our maturity in faith, we've learned that there's a lot of lessons in the waiting. There's a lot of things that, that Jesus shares with us and teaches us in the, the delay. And I, well, this is what I found in the delay of God is there's a, there's a greater dependence upon him. If we're just getting it, click, 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 it's, well, there's no relationship. That's just transactional. Jesus is, is wanting us to depend on him and rely upon him and that's further training and trusting in him. I like what King David writes, so personal, practical. He says this in Psalms, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and his word I put my hope. There's an African story, I think it's true, where you know white people are being kind of ushered through Africa and then, and, and then they're, they're being led by the natives of, of, the, of this village and the, they stop. They're like, why can't we keep pushing on? And they, there's, a, there's a phrase they say, our soul has to keep up with, the, to catch up with our body. And I think that's so true in our Russian, Russian, Russian world that we live in. We're just trying to, we're just trying to get through or get through and we find ourselves exhausted. We find ourselves in, in disarray and we find ourselves so stressed out and filled with anxiety is because we haven't let our soul catch up with our body. That's what Sabbath is all about. We have to find time in our week to take a break, silence and solitude and rest that's there. And, and, and yet we just want God to come through and God's saying, slow the roll. There is a time and there's a place and there's a setting I have and I want to work in through you. And I, I think what happens is we want to rush through the painful parts. And yet God is in, in process with us. In fact, the process is sometimes more important than the results. God could an easily answer your prayer. He could easily heal Lazarus, but he chose not to. And there's a purpose in this waiting. I think some of the some of the best lessons are found in the longest process that we go through. And it's so important that we reflect. In our, in our little booklets here, we have this, this little prayer uh, exercise, spiritual practice. It's called the exam prayer. Uh, page 49, you can turn to it this week and use it. it. It actually talks about how we can just have a reflection time of prayer. It's a, a time to create space in which to carry out the conversation with God. With God. Begin to ask the, the one who is pure light, undimmed by darkness of any kind, to grant you the ability to clearly see, hear, and understand and respond to his loving presence. 
Thank him for what he's done. Show him, and, and then it, and he, in this whole idea is him, his light re- revealing, reflecting upon you and, and exposing your heart, exposing your motives, showing you and guiding. If you don't take time, if, if I don't take time to do that, I'm just gonna keep going, 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 going and not stopping and going, God, what are you teaching me? To actually look at the beauty of the leaves on the tree and see the sun shining on them, to look at the sunsets and the sunrises and to look across the table, the beautiful people God's put around you and to take these moments and in the midst of the pain and in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the trials, God, look what you're doing right now and look what you're revealing and showing in my, my heart and developing my developing my character. God's shining. And I tell you, just God does his best work in the waiting. I love the promise that Apostle Paul says this, be confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There's a good work that God's doing. These days that we're waiting on, on Jesus and him coming was all preparation for his timing is perfect. Timing is perfect. For living in the light is this. Even though it's temporary, know this. It's God is with us in the struggle and the suffering. Even if it's, it's temporary, God is with us in the struggle and in the suffering. It's interesting that, that, that Jesus, when he heard the news of his friend was dead, I, I, I think, Jesus, you could you just wait. Why did you now? You have to now. He's dead now. Now you're responding, which again, they're just going, I don't get this. But this is what it says it says that he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. The word moved in, in the Greek here means snorted like a horse. You imagine, have you run anybody that's done that and you hear news like, oh, you know, they just, I, I can't snort like a horse very well today, but uh, you, you just, oh, you know, they just shiver, you know, a horse does, like, oh, you know, it's just like this moment that happens. And Jesus does that. It's almost involuntary. It's that the trouble means spontaneously disturbed. What, what is it saying? That, that Jesus was all God, incredibly human. And then, and then the next verse, it says, it's the shortest verse of, of Scripture and very significant verse. It says that Jesus, he wept. God cried at that moment. He wept for his friend Lazarus. And, and we read that, understand then that, 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 that he, he didn't have to, but he did. He, 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 was, he had this emotion that was there. It's a simple reminder to us is that even though our prayers don't get answered in the moment they get answered, we need to recognize is that, that it doesn't mean that, that God doesn't care. He cares deeply. He is, he want, he is with us in, in the weeping, in the sorrow, in, in the pain. He knows exactly what he well, what we're going through, Hebrews tells us this, for we do not have a, a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. His weeping doesn't make him weak. It makes him completely sympathetic and empathetic to our pain and what we're going through. And you think about that, sometimes there's this terrible, terrible lie that says, if I just have enough faith, then my life is going to be okay, and I'm, I'm going to, it's just, a, that's a lie. Because if you have enough faith, well, then you must have been better than the Apostle Paul, who Paul said, here, here one of the best Christians out there, wrote a lot of the New Testament, he was suffering some kind of chronic pain. It says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. What's he praying? Lord, fix it. 
Lord, help me with this. Heal me. Touch me. Get me through this. And what does God do? Oh, nothing. And he probably felt like, yeah, God, you're in another town. And yet, Paul determined that the pain is not going to win. It's not going to win. One of the most powerful statements. In fact, Jesus says to Paul, this is his response. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. The weakness, darkest moments is where God shows his strongest power. It, it, when there's nothing humanly possible to solve the problems we have and we're in place of utter weakness, that is where strength begins. And, and I've seen it over and over. You've seen it over and over in the lives of the people that, that, that you know. It, when people have are battling cancer and, and people that have a, a just a debilitating disease and struggle and everything and you see it in their eyes you see the 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 sustaining grace of jesus and you're like how do they do that it's supernatural it comes from the lord as they're depending upon him in the suffering of pain jesus's grace is there God offers a sustaining and and sufficient grace and it empowers their lives. Paul says this, he says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. What is it saying is that in my weakness, in my struggle, in everything I'm going through, what is it showing? It's not showing how strong I am. It's showing how strong Jesus is through my life that really is leading what, what Jesus is leading to this divine purpose of why he lets his friend who's sick whom he loves dies see finally in living light eternity is this that God desire is redemption God's desire is always always redemption I think one of the things I found one of the, the cruel realities of atheism so if you're here, you don't believe in God. Uh, I'm not going to pity you, but I, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the people that go through tragedies, the people that go through pain, the people that go through horrible, horrible things, and they don't believe there's a God of the universe. What do they do with that? That is, I don't even understand that because I understand questioning God's goodness when stuff happens, right? I, I get that. When I'm going through pain or I know someone's going through pain or horrible abuse and things that happen, just her- horrible things that even Kristen mentioned today and people caught on, burned, burned on, set on fire for being Christians. We're going, God, why do you allow that? God, why, how in your goodness and your sovereignty, that's really a good thing. And yet, I could pray to a God and question a God to do that, that somehow, someday, I'm going to understand it all. Um, somehow I'm going to understand it that when I get to heaven and all of us will go oh now we get it Lord but what does an atheist do how cruel to know that whatever tragedy happens is absolutely senseless I can't process that but I'm glad I know Lord and I'm glad I know and truly believe even at times I don't feel that God is good and God is sovereign and there is a reason and the one reason is always always redemption you remember the words that Jesus foreshadowed when he heard his when he heard his friend was sick and everything he says oh he, he's not gonna he's not actually going to die 
Ultimately, he, it's, he says it's for God's glory that God's son may glorify through it. That must have been questioned every step of the way and the guy dies, right? How is this even gonna be fulfilled? And I think we can look at our own life, right? How, we can look at our times in our life going, God, I just don't know how you're gonna work this out. This doesn't even make sense. And yet, that's where trust begins. Well, Jesus finally gets to town. He finally encounters, you know, the, 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 the sisters who are not happy with Jesus at all. And yet, Jesus says to Mary, one of the sisters, with all this long wait, these days of waiting, Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And, and then he asks her this question. This is a question for you and I. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Deep down in the, in the struggle and the pain and the difficulty he's saying to her and this loss and knowing. And, and remember, Lazarus is dead at this moment. Do you believe this? And, 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 and her response is, yeah, Lord, I believe, you know, one day, one day, one day. But right now, it's not good. Right now, this is difficult. Right now, the pain and struggles. And I tell you, that's, that's the crux of it right there for all of us. Yeah, one day, one day, one day, Lord. But right now, this is horrible what I'm going through. I don't know if you've ever felt like God uses you as an example in life. <laughs> Dead and decaying Lazarus. He's an object lesson of faith here for everybody. God uses drastic measures, I tell you, to get our attention, doesn't he? When Jesus came out to the tomb of Lazarus, the whole town, it's kind of interesting, the, whole, the Bible says the whole town came to find out what's going to happen. And I, you, you know, you got, you got people are going to be the, like, oh, what is he going to do? Like, I heard, like, he does pretty cool stuff. What is it going to look like? And you know, it's interesting. There's, there's actually a, a group of people that are skeptics. They're always, there's always skeptics in the crowd. Right, right today, some of you are like, you're like, I don't know about all this. Right? There's, there's always skeptics out there. But some of them, it says this, could not it says, could, uh, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man had kept this man from dying? So they're, they're questioning him like, yeah, he has power to a certain degree, but not enough to get this guy and help this guy out. Well, this big moment comes. Jesus orders the stone to be rolled away. Jesus says this, take away the stone. He said, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Kind of, kind of funny response. If you have a King James Bible, I love it. Always this. It says, he stinketh. Okay? Uh, that's what it says. You can look it up. It's really funny. That's kind of what my mom said after basketball practice when I got in the car, right? Uh, this is, then it said this. This is Jesus said, did I not tell you that if, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took him away, took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you're always, you always hear me. But I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, this is beautiful. I'm sure this was amazing. Like, here he is. This is going to happen. I always go back to this and look at like, imagine being Lazarus. Imagine you were dead for four days. 
There's a lot of things that can happen four days in heaven, by the way. I mean, you're getting your keys, right, to your mansion, okay? I don't know if there's any kind of vehicle. Is there Lamborghinis? Or is there something? I'm like, you're getting everything. You're things, you know, Amazon shipment came. It's a two-day shipment. I'm sure it's quicker in heaven. You're getting everything you need, and you get a call from the front desk saying, we've well, got a technical difficulty, and boom, you're back in this dank cave, and you're looking around, what's the smell? It's me, I'm dead and dying, you know? Can you picture this? No one knows. I still want to ask Lazarus one day, was it a bummer for you to come back? I think it probably was. But what was the purpose? To reveal God's glory. And I love this, it says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I, I want to remind us that, and it's a good question for us, is when, are we moving from death death to life? Are we helping others take off the, the grave clothes? Are we, are we stripping away from the old life to the new life? It's, it, it's, I, I love this story because it leads to this redemptive opportunity that takes place. Jumping down to verse 45, John chapter 11. Listen how this story ends. Therefore, many of the Jews had come to visit Mary, had seen what Jesus did, and believed in him. That's it. What's all are we going through? What's all the difficulty? What's all the problems, the challenges? It has everything to do with redemption. God wants to use our pain, our hurt, our difficult, our struggles to reveal himself, to reveal his glory and for people to draw closer to him. We're all former dead people. Once we're dead in our sins, have come and been made alive in Christ. And Jesus wants to use us as that object lesson for everyone else around us. I'm going to invite Chris to come. As we celebrate Veterans Day coming up here, and we want to honor those next weekend, we'll be doing that, and we're doing the barbecue and everything. I, I think I, want, I look back at so many different veterans I know, and there's one particular gentleman who um, several years ago it was at the end of, his, end of his life. In fact, I think Bruce and Lynn, you were in the room, our, our good friend Jack in the hospital. If you can remember this day, I came in the room, you were there, and there's a few other uh, friends there, and doctors, and there's an administrator. And Jack, when I came in the room, Jack looked, looked at me and, and then said, everybody out. I just want to talk to this guy. And that was me. Now, he's dealing with congestive heart failure, and and so he was hard, it was hard for him to communicate. And so I got real close to him and he had some things he wanted to get off his chest, literally. He was sharing like just stuff in his life and everything. He just wanted to make sure he was ready to meet Jesus because he knew he was at the end. Well, our good friends, uh, good friend Nikki uh, was, I, I, I prayed with him and, and pretty much said goodbye to him. I knew this, this was the end. And she stayed with him over the night in the hospital. And they, there was a couple moments that she thought maybe he was passing away and wasn't sure. And he had kind of one eye open. He wasn't there. And, and then pretty soon, she said he looked out in the, kind of in a distance. And he says, oh, that's it. That's, that fits just, just right. That's a perfect robe. And he dies. And it was this beautiful picture of the fact that life, can, life is difficult and, and hard, and Jack went through a hard difficulty and you know, suffered through PSTSD with the Vietnam War and everything he'd gone through, and he, he earned a purple heart. I mean, he, he, he gave his life for our country, but struggled through it all, that his struggle in life, it, it led to death, but it was really just a transition point 
When Jesus says, I am the resurrection of life, he who comes to me never dies, it's kind of like, wait a second, we all die. Yeah, but the, the death is just this transition period. Though I walk through the, fa- the valley of shadow of darkness, I fearful and evil, for Lord, you are with me. We're going into the next place. It's just transition. My aunt that passed away, who knew Jesus, she and is with Jesus now. It's a transition point. I think we need to be reminded of this, that, that we are going from, if we're going from life to death to life, that's what Jesus did. Jesus died on the cross for us, right? Why did he wait three days? What's with the waiting, God? It was all preparation for what was to come next. For He paved the way from, from life to death to life. And that's the same for us. That one day as followers of Jesus, we're going to experience the resurrection and the life as well. But it starts right now. To live that life right now. In your pain, in your difficulties, your struggles, and everything you're going through. Guess what? There's a robe that's getting prepared for you. And it's going to be the right fit one day. But we have to go through what we're going through. And there is a waiting period, but God is waiting on us. He says that none would perish, but all come to repentance. That's for you and I right now to respond. It's time to take off the grave clothes. It's time to enter this new life he has for us. I invite you to pray with me. And as we pray, I want to read this one more scripture. You can just keep your eyes closed. This is so powerful, just a reminder of all things we're going through and living in light of eternity. Paul says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. I want you to invite Jesus into the dark places of your life right now. I want him to, if I could boldly ask him, to show you the dark crevices, to show you where you've got discouragement in in, in issues, and, and yes, and sin that you're, you're harboring, uh, that, that is, 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 is holding you back. It's, or it's unforgiveness. That's, it's just ickiness in your heart. It's dark. The Lord wants to cleanse you as you give it to him and ask for forgiveness. There's hurt and there's pain. There's unresolved that's dark, a dark place right now for you. Just give it to the Lord. Be honest with the Lord right now. So Lord, I, I give you these dark areas. Show me, reveal to me where I am. So that your light would shine and, and reveal my very self. But Lord, you would reveal you and how I can have an eternal perspective. So Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you that we hold to it. We wait for you and we hold to your word and how you are going to bring it fruition. Lord, where you say you're going to do something, you will do it. But it's not on our time scale. It's not on our schedule. It's yours, Lord. You are waiting on us for you to reveal yourself and fulfill what you want to fulfill through us, Lord. May we just put our heart before you and allow your light to shine, God, boldly and courageously in the pockets and the places and the dark areas of our life. Lord, will you reveal, will you show us, and as, as, as you show us, will you help us to have the grace that you says that, that, that sustains us that in, in our weakness, that you can be strong. Will you show us that? And Lord, that we would ask for your forgiveness. We would ask for your help. And Lord, it would bring wholeness and healing and purpose. 
The purpose is not only redeeming our own hearts and lives, but the people around us. That our lives, our lives would be a display of you and your glory be displayed in the people around that they see you and not see us, Lord, as your lights, a reflection of you, the light of the world. So show us, Lord, guide us, direct us this coming week, Lord, and we would see the work that you're doing in and through us and those around us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.